Let's pray. And uh, so we have young people with us. Did you get like little activity packages and stuff so you can do coloring? If you adults wanted one too, we could bring one to you. Okay, you do a little coloring. In fact, we we made the teaching insert so you could do a little coloring in there. If you notice, we've got a little you know kid friendly pictures. Okay, we're trying there. All right, so. But I want to open up God's word and we want to dig in and uh, let's pray together. God, come right now. This is a story many of us have heard many times. I pray that you would make it so real and more impactful than maybe we've ever seen before. And I need your help big time, Lord. Come and give me the right heart and the words and the clarity of mind and especially that you would just give me a, a tender soft heart to really feel these wonderful truths that you have in your word about the birth of Jesus. And I pray that the the youngest person here and the oldest person here and all of us in between would meet you in your word this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so 2,000 years ago, there was this young, engaged couple. You've heard this story, right? Wasn't that Facebook... uh, Video, I just, I love that. Unless, you know, if you don't do Facebook, you probably weren't sure what, what's this all about. But anyway, if you do Facebook, it's like, that is powerful. But so 2,000 years ago, there was a young couple named Mary and Joseph who um, traveled and arrived at this little town called Bethlehem, about five miles south of Jerusalem, little, a little village. And Mary was pregnant, and while they were there, Mary gave birth uh, to a son. And this was no ordinary birth, this was no ordinary Son, because what was going on with the birth of this son was what the angels tell the shepherds is that this is good news of a great joy for all the people. Okay, so you're all the people, you're part of all the people. So Jesus' birth is good news of great joy for you. And what I want to do this morning simply is tell you the story and explain to you how the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for you and how you can experience the good news of that great joy. All right, let's dig in. Luke chapter 2, let's turn there. And if you need a Bible, we always do this. We'd like you all to have a copy of the Bible to look on with. So raise your hand, and we'll bring one to you. We'd like you all to have, um, have the scriptures that are open in front of you. Good, over here. And Luke 2, in the Bibles we just passed out, page 857. Now you might be wondering, how can we know what happened 2,000 years ago in a little village five miles south of Jerusalem. How can we know that? Here's how we, one of the ways we know is that there was a medical doctor. You may not have known this. There was a medical doctor who was so intrigued by these events about Jesus' life that he started interviewing eyewitnesses who had been at all these different events in Jesus' life. Made eyewitness interview, or interviews with eyewitnesses and, and wrote down what they said and put this all together in a book. And we still have this book today. Okay, you're holding it in your hands. It's the Gospel of Luke. Luke was the medical doctor who was so intrigued by these events about Jesus' life that he made eyewitness interviews and put this all together. So what we have here reading in Luke is eyewitness accounts. You're holding in your hands the results of his investigation. So let's take a look at what he said. I just want to walk through verses 1 through 20 of Luke chapter Two. So first of all, Luke starts off and he says, he lets us know that this actually happened in, in history. Here's what I mean. If you were telling a story and you started off saying, um, you know, once upon a time, I would have already communicated to you that, okay, this is a nice story, but it didn't really happen, right? That's not how Luke starts. Look at how he starts in verses 1 and 2. In those days, 
he says, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So Luke's talking about real people in history. Caesar Augustus. He was the Roman emperor from about 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. Real person in history. Another real person in history. Quirinius was governor of Syria at around the same time. He's talking about real people, and he's talking about a real event, the first registration that took place in Syria, um, or when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So Luke is not talking about a fairy tale or a fable. He's talking about history, something that really happened 2,000 years ago. So what really happened 2,000 years ago? Well, next he introduces Joseph and Mary, verses 3 through 5. And all went to be registered each to his own town. So everybody had to go back to the, fam- to the town that their family came from. And this is probably for tax reasons. Okay, get registered so they know you're alive, so you better start paying or they're going to send the IRS after you. Okay, So that's what verse 3 was about. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Okay, betrothed. Joseph and Mary were betrothed. That means they were engaged to be married, okay, basically. And they were living in Nazareth. Okay, you got the map up there. So Nazareth is way up, I mean, it's there, which, and this is a map, so it's like right down there. So they, both their families grew up there in Nazareth. Okay, but because Joseph had to travel down there to be betrothed, they travel all the way down here to Bethlehem, right there. Okay, long, long journey, especially when you're pregnant. So they traveled all this way, and Mary was pregnant. She's going to have a baby. Now, this was unusual. Okay, you picked up from the Facebook video. This is unusual because they weren't married. Okay, but see, Luke has already told us how she got pregnant back in chapter 1. So turn back to chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38. How did Mary get pregnant if they weren't married? And look at what Luke tells us. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel, Gabriel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That's the one up north there, okay, right? Remember that? That's where they're from. So God sent an angel to the city, Nazareth, Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. I mean, here's an angel, it doesn't happen every day. What do you mean the Lord's with me? What do you mean I'm favored? She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, Son of God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne 
of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary asked a very practical question. Mary said to the angel, "Uh, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit was going to miraculously cause her to conceive, and so this baby was going to be the Son of God, fully God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Old, hadn't had any children, uh, wasn't able to conceive. But nothing will be impossible with God, verse 37. And then verse 38, here's Mary's response. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, get what's going on here. We want to get a little visual aid here. Okay, so, so just understand that the baby Jesus was conceived in a way differently than you were conceived and I was conceived. Okay? The baby Jesus, the only human being in history who was conceived by the Holy Spirit because he wasn't just fully man, he was also fully God. Fully God and fully man. Absolutely miraculous, okay? Now, with that in mind, let's go back to Luke chapter 2. Because the next, Luke tells us that Mary gave birth. Verses 6 and 7. Luke chapter 2. And while they were there, so they're down in Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Okay, now, what's a manger? Okay, this is, this is like a manger. Okay, can you all see this right here? Okay, manger. Now, a manger is a feeding trough for animals. And the reason that when Mary gave birth to this baby, she laid him in a manger was because there was no room for them in the inn. You've all heard that part of the Christmas story, Right? Bethlehem was full of people there for the census. All the hotels were full. But this one hotel keeper said, well, you know, we got a barn in the back where the guests have kept their animals. The animals maybe would keep you warm. Got some, you know, heat, heat going on there. And, you know, there's a straw. You could sleep there. And so that's where Mary and Joseph stayed was in this barn. And that's why when Mary gave birth to Jesus, then she laid him in a manger, which is a feeding trough for animals. Okay, now, at this point, then, in the story, Luke takes us away from the barn, away from the manger, and takes us out to the fields where there were shepherds. Okay, what happened to some shepherds? Look at verses 8 to 14. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, a whole crowd of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, now what are angels? Got a little explanation here. Angels are very powerful massive spiritual beings who are in the presence of God in heaven, passionately worshiping him, and they're sent by God to earth to do his bidding, to accomplish his will. And God wanted to make a public announcement to the earth of the birth of his son. He wanted to let there be this public announcement about what's happened. And so he wanted to send an angel to go and make this public announcement. So who do you think God would send this angel to to make this most important of public announcements about the birth of his son? Maybe like the politicians, gather them together, or like all the CEOs of the companies, gather them together, all those who are like, you know, the celebrities, the movie stars, that could be, you know, go to, go to Hollywood and do it or something like that. No, no, no. God wanted to make a very powerful statement of what was going on here. He sent this angel, the first public announcement of the birth of his son, to shepherds. You might think, well, what's what's that all about? Well, shepherds were kind of the lowest class people. They were joked about, like, man, you smell like a shepherd, dude. That's kind of how they'd be talking, okay? And that's where shepherds were at. They were the lowest class of people. And God sent his angel to make the first public announcement this is the birth of my son. God did that, sent those, that angel to the shepherds. Here's why. God wanted to make it absolutely clear from the very beginning that to get in on this good news, you didn't need to be politically connected. You didn't need to be famous. didn't need to be wealthy. This good news truly was for all the people. For you and for me. Okay? I love that. Notice again what the angel says in verses 10 and 11. The angel said to them, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, including you shepherds. Now, why is this good news of great joy? Okay, verse 11, for, that word for is so important. Here's the reason this is good news of great joy. For unto you, including you shepherds and all the people, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Three crucial words in verse 11. Okay, Three crucial words. I want you all to learn these. Kids especially, okay? And you can quiz your parents on the way home today. All right, here's three crucial words. Savior, Christ, and Lord. And I just want to make this very real. So first of all, this child born was Savior. Now, here's why this is so important. God created you so that you could have your highest joy in knowing God, worshiping God, trusting Him, following Him, just like what Maria was sharing. Okay, Our highest joy is in personally knowing and fellowshipping with God through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And every one of us, because of our pride, has turned our backs on God and said, No. I'd rather create my own little joys that I can be in control of and take the credit for. That's what sin is. So we've all sinned thousands of times, right? And God is perfectly just and righteous, and so every sin has to be punished. 
So because we've all sinned and every sin has to be punished, what does that mean for you and for me? We've all faced God's punishment, justly, rightly so. We need a Savior. And so God sent Jesus, His own Son. And the baby that was born in Bethlehem that night was born so that he could grow up and so that he, because he had a human body which had nerves and could feel pain, could be nailed to a cross and horribly suffer so that he could take the punishment we deserve upon himself. Jesus, in dying on the cross, was punished by God the Father in our place. God loved us so much he would punish his own son for our sins. Jesus loved us so much he would receive the punishment we deserve for our sins. This baby born 2,000 years ago would grow up to be our Savior. He is our Savior. The Savior was born. Good news of great joy. Okay, the second word is, what's the first word? Savior. Savior. Okay, you guys are a little bit... Slow in the uptake here. Okay, what's the first word again? Savior. Savior. Okay, second word is Christ. Now you probably know the word Christ means Messiah. The translation of the word Messiah. And see, these shepherds—they were Jewish men. They were steeped in the Old Testament. They knew that for hundreds of years, thousands of years, God had promised to send His Messiah to the earth, who would Himself be fully God, who, as Isaiah taught us, we've been studying the book of Isaiah, would be suffering in our place for our sins. So he'd be fully God. He would suffer for our sins on the cross. But not only that, as Messiah, his kingdom would be increasing throughout the earth. He would spread righteousness and truth throughout the earth, reaching a culmination at the end of history when he comes back again, brings in a new heavens and a new earth, casts all wickedness, casts Satan, casts his demons into hell. All those who continue in rebellion will also tragically be cast into hell. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. The Messiah is going to bring his kingdom to fullness. And that morning 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, the Messiah is here. He's born. His kingdom is starting to advance. The new heavens and new earth, they're going to be coming. So what was the first word? Savior. Second word was? Christ. I almost got it wrong. Okay, thank you. Christ. And then the third word is Lord. Now, in the context here, it's a very radical thing that the angel is saying. Lord is God. God. Fully man. And fully God. You know, the Bible teaches that God is three persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's not that each person is like one-third of God, so to get all of God, you've got to get them all together. No. Each one, there's mystery here, but each one is in himself fully God. So when Mary was holding the baby Jesus in her arms, she was holding in her arms the creator of the universe. She was holding in her arms God. God in the flesh. The one who has always been. The one who always would be. The one who rules everything in the universe, who spoke and a massive universe came into existence. She was holding. Imagine being Mary, knowing that you are holding in your arms God. 
which is so important for us to get. Now, one of the implications of this, the fact that God came to earth in the person of Jesus. See, it's too important for us to know who God is. God didn't want to leave us to kind of choosing between human opinions. So it's like, who is God? Is there a God? Are we here? I write this book, and you write that book, and you you know, make that audio, whatever, and you all, well, maybe that person's right. No, God said, no, no, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to come to earth in the, in the person of Jesus. I'm going to come to earth. Show them who I am. Reveal myself to them. So they don't need to choose between human opinions. It'll be crystal clear who I am, what I came for, what they need to do in order to be made right with me, the judgment they're facing, the saving work that I'm doing, and how they can be forgiven and made right with me. Three crucial words. What's the first one? Say a second one. And the third one is, and that's why his birth was good news of great joy for all the people. Get it? Isn't that awesome? Now, Keep going in the story. Then he tells us what... Actually, first of all, then, then the angel says, uh, he gives him a sign, right? You're going to go and you're going to find a ma- baby in a manger. And that might sound less with the Christmas story. We read that all the time. I mean, you could walk a long ways before you'd find a baby in a manger around here, right? Babies aren't usually placed in mangers. They didn't all put their babies in mangers back then. Okay, this is like a really unusual thing, like call child, whatever, I don't know. So, all right, this is a problem. So, we're going to find a baby... In a manger? The angel says, I want to give you a sign. You're going to find a baby in a manger. And so then, this massive multitude of angels praising God, glory to God. And uh, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then here's what the shepherds did, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Okay, so picture it. They're, they're, the shepherds are, are walking and they come to this barn and knock on the door. Can we come in? Well, yes. Look, there's a manger. Is there? There's a baby in it. Right? The sign, it's here. Can we tell you what we heard? It was an angel, and he said, this baby's birth is good news of great joy for all the people because he is Savior, he is Messiah, and he is Lord. And imagine how you would have felt in that. I mean, Mary knew, Joseph knew, but there were, I think there are other people there as we get from verse 18. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. The the sign was there. The angels were real. We weren't just like imagining things. Good news of great joy for all the people. Glory to God in the highest. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So there's the story. Okay? Now here's the question. You've heard that Jesus' birth which took place 2,000 years ago, in history, not once upon a time, but in history, Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago is good news of great joy for all the people. So, how can you experience this good news of great joy? Here's the question. First of all, the first word was, He's Savior, right? The question is, have you had your sins forgiven 
through what Jesus did on the cross? Have you come to the place in your life where you have received Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and where you you trust Him and say, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I have sinned against you. I have sinned against God your Father. Forgive me. Change me. Accept me. Wash me clean from my guilt. If you've done that, then at that moment, all of your sins were forgiven. All the punishment that was coming down towards you from God the Father was diverted from you and was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. This baby. Okay, so you can be completely forgiven for all of your sins. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced the the cleansing and the joy that comes from feeling the weight of guilt lift off of you and then having the love of God poured onto you, it's awesome. (laughs) There's nothing better than feeling that weight of guilt go off of you and the love of God coming upon you. There is nothing better because you were made to know the love of God. You were made to have a relationship with God. So, Trust Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference what you've done. Yes, that sin too, he will forgive. That one, I know. We've all got some in our past that are particularly painful for us to think about. That one and all the rest of them. So trust Jesus as Savior. Good news of great joy. And then the issue that he's Messiah. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is increasing And it will end up being, at his second coming, at the end of history, he will bring in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Satan and his demons cast into hell. Those who continue in rebellion, cast into hell. Those who've bent the knee before Jesus, saved, forgiven, redeemed, brought into his presence forever, raised from the dead. Here's what I want to say to you. Some of you, as you look ahead to the future, you feel hopeless. Your view of the future is dark. It's grim. It's discouraging. But because Jesus is the Messiah, whose kingdom will never end, never end, that means that this future is, your future in him is awesome. Not going to be easy. He also promised that there would be trials and difficulties. Didn't he promise that? He did promise that. Very realistic. But even those he's going to work to bring great increased joy for you in him forever. So your future is looking good in his kingdom. He's the Messiah who's going to completely transform this world into a new heaven and a new earth. And third is that he is Lord. He's God. You don't need to wonder, is there a God? He's come. You don't need to wonder which God. He's come. You don't need to wonder, you know, well, how can I get to know him? He's come. He's told us. He's taught us clearly. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the way. When he grew up, this is what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And through him, through his death on the cross, you can come to the Father. Good news of a great joy for all the people. Let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. Lord, I pray 
that right now you'd be increasing the work of your Holy Spirit upon each one of us. We each, Lord, need to hear an aspect of this for where we are. Lord, those who have not ever bent the knee at the manger and received you as Savior into their lives, I pray that that you would do that in their hearts right now, that you would break down the, the barriers, the excuses, the pride, whatever it might be, and bring them to the place where they will say, Father, forgive me for Jesus' sake. Thank you for sending Jesus, Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I pray, Lord, that right now in this room, you would be giving hearts of repentance and hearts of faith in Jesus, that you'd be lifting the burden of guilt off and pouring your love in. I pray that you would do that right now. I pray for those who, as they look ahead to the future, feel hopeless. As they look ahead to the future, feel discouraged. We praise you, Jesus Christ, that you are Christ, Messiah. Your kingdom will never end. It has not ended. Whatever problem anyone here is facing, your kingdom has not ended. Your kingdom power can take that problem, transform that problem, help them in that problem. Meet them in that problem, deliver them from the problem, strengthen them through the problem. And the new heavens and the new earth are coming. We raised from the dead, we'll be in your presence with the redeemed, knowing you, worshiping you forever. I pray, Lord, for those here who know you, who've trusted you, but who are feeling discouraged this morning, that you would encourage their hearts right now. That they could see and feel the future that you have for them in Christ. And Lord, anyone here who's just confused, is there a God? Which God? Blow them away with the fact that you came, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. You, God, have come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Good news of great joy for all the people. Do that, Lord. So I pray for an outpouring of your spirit upon each one here right now, that we would each just say yes to Jesus Christ. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.